Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Give us a call. The number is 208-991-4783. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, today's episode is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. Thank you so much for all of your support. And it's time now for another episode of Crime on the Waterfront. This is really rare to find uh, two auditions for the same show, and I, I think that speaks to how much promise uh, Mike Wallace showed uh, in this particular role. So uh, let's go ahead and we will take a listen to uh, the episode, this one, uh, titled Eris Cruise, uh, and it was recorded on March the 1st of 1949. Waterfront, Cagle calling. National Broadcasting Company presents Lou Cagle, ace New York detective, fighter of crime on the waterfront. Last Friday, the Metropolitan Art Museum requested headquarters to furnish someone who'd like to take a short boat ride. Seems a few of their highly valued paintings were slated to be put on exhibition at a kind of international go-to being held down in Bermuda, and they wanted a man to come on along and see that nothing happened to the stuff. So I went to Bermuda, and it's a pretty little island. I liked it. Oh, there wasn't much to do. Played some golf. Got into the water once or twice. Anyway, last night ended the convention, vacation or whatever, and this morning I checked aboard the Promethean for the return trip to New York. We're out of port about an hour when a steward knocks on my door, says, Captain Archer presents his compliments and would like to see me in his cabin at my very earliest convenience, which means pronto, so I go right down. Lieutenant Cagle, I'll come straight to the point. As master of this ship, I'm directly responsible for the safety of my passengers. Well, this morning, one of them, a young lady, appealed to me for protection. Against what? Kidnapping. On a ship? Almost my exact words. But here's the difficulty. The young lady is not just any young lady. 
She's Helena Dawson. Well, happy Easter. Name doesn't do anything for you? Dawson? Oyster Bay? Oh, wait a minute. The soap chips. And the oil Sure, well. sure. I see what you mean. Exactly. So in view of that, and uh, now I'm thinking as an employee of the line, to ignore the appeal would be unwise. Uh, but crank stuff, huh? Uh, I wish I could be certain. You think she isn't a crank? This girl's not a run-of-the-mill heiress. In fact, she may never get a penny from her family. What's the problem there? About eight or nine years ago, she broke with them. Oh, now, wait a minute. I'm getting it back. Uh, wasn't she the girl who walked out the night of her debut? And left the country. That's the one. Oh, Helena Dawson. Sure, I remember now. That was big stuff. What happened to her? She came to Bermuda and took a job as a teacher. What I can gather, she's been on her own ever since. Well, now tell me how the kidnapping scare works in. Yes. Well, she says it started two weeks ago in Bermuda when an anonymous phone call came. Seems a man at the other end of the line instructed her to leave $10,000 at a designated spot within the next five days or she'd be kidnapped. She ignored the threat. A week later, it was repeated. Well, what did the police have to say about it? Miss Dawson didn't report it to them. Well, that was bright. Afraid of publicity, I'd imagine. Whereas if the kidnapping went through, she wouldn't get any, I suppose. Perhaps she'd made arrangements to have it done quietly, Lieutenant. Well, don't they kill you? What happened then? Well, even though she didn't take the authorities into her confidence, she had good sense enough to be frightened. That's why she's on this ship. Well, how do you mean? Miss Dawson felt that if she left Bermuda for a while, whoever was behind the kidnap threats would think she'd done so on the advice of the police and be scared off. Yeah, but wait a minute. If the Dawson girl is at such pains to keep her problem quiet, why does she suddenly dump it in your lap? I'm coming to that. Less than 30 minutes ago, she found uh, this note in her vanity case. She swears it wasn't there when we sailed. Oh. The price remains the same, but now it's... Pay up, or else you won't leave this boat alive. Well, what's this about a white scarf? Oh. Well, according to Miss Dawson, that was originally mentioned in the second threat she received by phone in Bermuda. The man told her to appear at a certain time in the Hamilton Post Office wearing a white scarf if she was ready to accept his terms. That would be the sign. <laughs> movies. Everybody goes to the movies. Now he wants her to wear it in the ship's salon tonight, any time between 10 and 12. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you make of it, Lieutenant? You asking me to come into this? I'd be very grateful. So would Miss Dawson. She and I went over the list very carefully, and you're the only passenger experienced in police work we could find. What about your own men? Oh, same old thing. Everyone will know something is up, and that's what she's trying to avoid. Garbo. Uh, like that? You sure her name isn't Garbo? <laughs> Second. Well, Lieutenant. Okay, where do I find her? Stateroom 1270. I'll phone down and tell her you're coming. Either I hadn't been listening or else Captain Archer had purposely avoided describing Miss Dawson because for some reason or other it gets stuck in my head that she's mostly on the plain side. After all, who but a crow would pick the night of her coming out party to leave town? I keep on like this all the way down to her stateroom, and by the time she opens the door, I'm prepared for anything from Tugboat Annie to the Medusa. 
Uh, uh, is this 1270 stateroom? Your Lieutenant Cagle. Yes. Is Miss Dawson expecting you? I'm Miss Dawson. Won't you come in? Thanks. I'm Lieutenant Cagle. Mm, Captain Archer phoned to say that you'd take the case. I don't know what the usual fee for a thing uh, like No, that. no, 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 no. That's a private detective. This comes out of your taxes. I'm on the New York force. Oh, but surely no one expects I'm you. I'm not on vacation. Forget it. Uh, let's talk about the note you received. Look, are you sure it couldn't have been put in your vanity case before you came aboard? Absolutely. You see, as soon as my luggage was brought here to the stateroom, I opened the case for a new lipstick. If the note were there, I couldn't have missed it. Is that the case, the small alligator job? Yes. Well, then what? Uh, I closed the vanity, although I didn't lock it, and left the stateroom. I wanted to watch us cast off. But up on deck, it was so crowded, I decided instead to go to the dining room and have some coffee. That was equally crowded, so I came back here and began unpacking. It was then that I found the note. You've gone about 15 minutes. No less. Ten. Mm-hmm. You know anyone on board? Yes, three people. Oh, rather two. Dr. Reed and his nurse, Miss Barber. Their patient, Mrs. Pritchett, is barely an acquaintance. Is Reed's stateroom far from here? Just on the companionway. But uh, before you say anything, Dr. Reed's out of the question. If during my eight years in Bermuda I made one friend, it would be he. Mm-hmm. The man was my doctor, father, counselor, just everything. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Reed knows you're on the ship. Oh, it was arranged that way. Uh, You see, about a month ago, Mrs. Pritchett, the patient I mentioned, lost her husband. The poor woman's been an invalid herself for years. Confined to a wheelchair most of the time. Eyesight failing. Well, she's over 80. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Reed suggested that since she had no living relatives in Bermuda to look after her, she needs almost constant attention. It would be advisable to return to America and take up residence with her daughter's family. Mm -hmm, I see. Mrs. Pritchett agreed to do it, but only if Dr. Reed would see her safely there. You tell Reed about the phone call she got? Oh, no. When I found he was taking this ship, I simply pretended the idea of a visit to New York sounded interesting, and would he consider it an imposition if I tagged along? Okay. You've got no idea who might be behind this extortion thing? None. Well, what do you want to do about it? I want protection, of course. Someone has threatened to kill me unless sure, I... Sure, sure. Protection's all right, and you'll get that, but that's not the whole story. You've got to take a stand. Uh, you want to play along and smoke this bird out? Ignore him? Pay him off? Which is it? I certainly don't intend to pay him his cent. As for smoking him out, I hardly think he's worth the effort. Do you? Okay, you decide what to do. Well, simply this. We arrive in New York within 48 hours, and if during that time you'll protect me, with as little ceremony as possible, from whomever wrote that note, be he public enemy or pickpocket, I won't ask for anything else. You mean just hang around in the background like a bouncer? Or in the foreground, like a traveling companion. I'm an easy person to get along with. Hmm. Well, when does it start? Right now, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe the dining room's not so crowded now. Uh, Helena. Mm-hmm. If um, it isn't, would you join me for a cup of coffee? Uh... Lou? 
Lou? Delighted. I'd be delighted. The coffee takes about an hour. A very pleasant hour, by the way. And then Helena marches me into the lounge where we spend the morning playing Russian bank. During lunch, I ask if she'd mind my looking up Dr. Reed. Helena decides he may as well know what's going on now, since I'll have to be explained to him sooner or later anyway, so when the meal's over, I excuse myself and walk down to his stateroom. He's a very strange-looking guy, this Reed, man about 60, with a head like a bowling ball. Skin the color of an apple that's been bit into and left to stand for a while. I bring him up to date on what's happened, why I'm involved... And then he makes what you might think is a perfectly innocent statement. I lay the entire scheme at the feet of some ill-informed crank. Ten thousand (laughs) dollars. Helena doesn't have near that amount. Except that I didn't tell him the note demanded ten thousand dollars. I simply said a lot of money. Of course, you might have figured if folks could raise it without much effort. I shouldn't wonder... What steps are you taking, Lieutenant? None. Miss Dawson doesn't want me to. Uh, Excuse me, Lieutenant. That's Miss Barber. Uh, Come in. Miss Barber, this is Lieutenant Cagle of the New York Police Department. How do you do? Pleased to meet you. Uh, Doctor, Mrs. Pritchett's coming around. I thought maybe... Of course. Be along presently. Uh, You'll pardon me, Lieutenant. I dislike breaking off our conversation so abruptly, but my patience... Forget it. We can talk about this later. As you see, my time is restricted, but if in any way I can help or counsel you, I'd be only too glad... For years, Helena's been like a daughter to me. Yeah, that's what she said. Reed certainly put his foot in that one. I just hope the look on my face didn't give it back to him. Ten thousand dollars, huh? He's probably been thinking ten thousand dollars so much he can't even keep it out of his conversation. Normally, at this point, in any other case, I'd be telling myself what a hot rock Lou Cagle is when it comes to fast solutions. But now, I had a problem on my hands. How was I going to tell Helena? After all, it's kind of a blow to find out the person who's supposed to be your closest friend is trying to shake you down for ten grand. So, for the rest of the afternoon, every time the subject comes up, I move her along to a new one. After dinner, we kill most of the evening sitting around the ship's salon, and by 11 p.m., when they close... I've decided I can't put it off any longer. Helena says she'd like a cigarette before turning in, so we step outside and we stroll up the promenade deck. Uh, cool? Mm, just right. <laughs> I'll bet it's snowing in New York. Blue, mm-hmm. look. What? A falling star. Yeah. Oh. That's pretty, huh? Did you make a wish? Uh-huh. Helena, how long have you known Dr. Reed? More than seven years. Why? Oh, I was wondering where he practiced before he came to Bermuda. No place. He's a native of the island. Reed was born there? Lou, are you cross-examining me? (laughs) Sorry. It's an occupational disease. (laughs) Oh, I met Dr. Reed in um, 1941, the winter. He nursed me through a case of the grip. And then when I got well and tried to pay him, he wouldn't take the money. How come? He knew how much a school teacher made. Pretty rough, huh? How did he taste so simple? $1,650 a year. Which, I imagine, went for cigarettes. Oh, I lived on it. What's more, in two years I'd saved enough to buy a second-can car that I used to go around... Helena, look out, get down. No, wait! 
Don't move. Hug the wall. It came from up on the boat deck. What? Stay here. Where are you going? The boat deck. Hug that wall and don't move. I'll be back in a minute. It was Reed. As he raised the gun, I'd caught a shadow in the hatchway above us. A head like a bowling ball. You couldn't miss it. I creep up the stairs fast, about two-thirds of the way, then flatten down and heist myself forward till the deck spreads out just level with my eyes. It's deserted. And a little bit too quiet. Plus, that if the moon were any brighter, it'd blind me. I'm almost convinced there isn't a way in the world to get on that deck without being seen when I notice something. Stretched along the rail on my right are half a dozen lifeboats. And whenever the ship lists or rises out of a trough, the prow of the lifeboat nearest me throws up a shadow over the mouth of my hatchway. It lasts maybe four seconds which is time enough to crawl to the rail and get down out of sight behind one of those boats if I'm quick. I haven't more than made up my mind to try it when the ship trembles again, dips to one side, hangs there a second, starts back, and now the lifeboat begins to spill its shadow across the hatchway. I hold off until I'm sure the shadow's almost as long as it's going to get, and then, with all the force I can, I throw myself toward the lifeboat. It's a typical jerk trick. I'm trying to rush up a 30-degree slope with everything else on board, pulling the other way. Nijinsky at the top of his leap. If I were trying to get shot, I couldn't do a better job. But I finally do stop teetering back and forth and stumble behind the lifeboat, and by then it's it's pretty clear that Dr. Reed has either gone to bed or put away his gun for the evening. A minute or so goes by while I catch my breath, and then suddenly I hear the sound of voices floating up from the deck below me. And one of them's Helena's. But it's not until I crawl over to the hatchway that I find out who the other belongs to. I had to do the thing at this time. Furthermore, if I didn't come close, it wouldn't have looked authentic. Cagle's no fool. Maybe if they were inches from hitting us, when you're probably Don't nervous. excite yourself. It's over. You're unharmed. Oh, I'm surprised to be alive. Forget that precious neck of yours and keep your mind on the job. Will you do that for once? I'll be going now. Wouldn't do for him to find me here. No, it wouldn't. Call me in the morning. Good night. Good night, doctor. It seems like ten years before I get to my feet and walk down the deck from that hatchway. I don't know. Everyone's in on this but me. But in on what? That question comes back again, because Helena and Reed obviously have some brand new racket going, but like every other question of the jackpot variety, I can't answer it. Nor can I see how they expect to make any money by such monkey shines. Unless, of course, Helena is helping the dark shake a few thousand out of her old man by means of a phony extortion plot. Which reminds me that Helena is still waiting at the foot of the hatchway, or at least I think she is. But when I get down there, nobody's around. Back in my stateroom, I find a note slipped under the door in which she explains how terrifying it all was and that she couldn't bear another minute alone out in the dark and please call her first thing in the morning. <laughs> Looks like first thing in the morning is everybody's favorite time for contacting Cagle because about a quarter after seven, along comes a steward with some more of Captain Archer's compliments and an invitation to eat breakfast with him in his cabin. Good morning, Lieutenant. Uh, good morning, Captain. I get you up? Uh-huh. I like your eggs. Fried, no, dropped, No, no, or... no, no. Coffee. Just just some coffee, please. Very well. Mr. Dawson found any more threatening letters in the baggage? Well, not that I know of. No cream, thanks. All right. Here you are. We uh, did get some action last night. Hmm? Gentleman who had been hiding up on the boat deck fired two shots at us. 
I had two kegels. Okay, well, you... it didn't hurt anybody. It didn't intend to. But, man, in heaven's name, you should have reported it immediately. If I didn't know who he was, I would have. Well, did, did, now, look, Captain, you've got to go along with me on this. Take my word, he won't try it again. Also, please don't ask me who he is. The extortion notes are a blind for his real activity. And if he once guesses we're even half onto him, you'll never see the bottom of this case. Hegel, this is most irregular. As the captain of the ship, I... I know, I know. You're responsible for the safety of your passengers. And that's exactly why things have to be kept quiet. Unless we really hustle, this bird might slide through without having a glove laid on him. As it stands now, I can't guess what he's up to, but I'll bet it's illegal. Uh, yes. What time do we dock tomorrow? Ten in the morning, New York time. Mm-hmm. Don't use my planning any further. It's a nice dinner, I suppose. Dinner? Yeah, just a little thing. Last night out, stretching a customer. Well, perhaps you, Miss Dawson, possibly that doctor friend of hers might join me. That sounds fine. Why call it off? Well, you have all the tension. There isn't any tension. Huh? Or at least, Captain, we shouldn't show it. I think your party's a good idea. For a fact? Sure. If you want me to, I'll issue the invitation. Good. Grant, I wish you would. Uh, Eight o'clock this evening, my table. Come early. We'll have some cocktails. After leaving Captain Archer's cabin, I start down to the dining room when suddenly I remember that part in Helena's note about calling her first thing in the morning. I'm anxious to get moving anyhow, so even though it's pretty early, I go down and knock on her stateroom door. Oh, Lou. Come on inside. Uh, how'd you sleep? It's not very funny. Well, I didn't mean it to be. I'm sorry. It's just that all night I kept seeing Don't that. Don't apologize. You've got good reason to be jumpy. Who was it? Did you see anyone uh, find anything out? Whoever shot at us was off the deck before I got up there. Well, what am I going to do? I'm afraid to leave the room. I'm afraid to stay in oh, it. Oh, come on now. Get a hold of yourself. It's broad daylight. No, it won't be broad daylight forever, Lou. I, I have, you, have you had but... your breakfast yet? What? Breakfast. What's the matter? Aren't you hungry? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you can't worry on an empty stomach. Come on. It was a good act, all around. And by the time we finish our grapefruit juice, Helena's appetite and confidence are on the upswing. And 20 minutes later, when we get up from the table, nothing will do but a stroll on deck. Well, more like it, hmm? Mm-hmm, a lot more. You know, that's the first pancake I've had in years. <laughs> you mean the first half dozen? Say, isn't that Dr. Reed way down there? Where? Near the lady in the wheelchair. Uh, no, no, out from the rail. Oh. Why, yes, it is. She the Mrs. Pritchett who's so sick? Uh-huh. Odd, Miss Barbara, the nurse doesn't seem to be around. Somebody's sitting on the other side of the wheelchair. Oh, oh that's she. I couldn't see her at first. Oh, Lou, before we get up to the... Don't say anything about last night, will you? Okay. All bundled up, isn't she? Who? The old lady. You can hardly see her face. What's the matter there, afraid You'll catch a cold? <laughs> That, or she already has one. Good morning, Doctor. Helena, good morning. Morning, Lieutenant. Dr. Reed, Miss Barber. Good morning, sir. Morning, Miss Dawson. Uh, would you mind awfully if we continued our conversation a few feet away from my patient? She's had a very bad night. Just now dropped off in the slightest sound. No, no, Of course, we understand. Poor woman. I'm coming to regret ever having advised the trip. Uh, this'll do. We're far enough. What's wrong with her? Just now? A resurgent allergy. And she has dozens of them. 
I thought getting out of that stuffy cabin a bit might help. <laughs> it put her to sleep at something. Yes, I expect so. What about you, Helen? Nothing new. Eh, doesn't surprise me. Crank notes. I'll wager the lieutenant's seen scads of them. A couple. By the way, we three are invited out for dinner tonight. Captain Archer. Everyone except? I'd love it. That's two of us. How about you, Doctor? Absolutely. We well, excuse me, Doctor. Your patience seems... Uh, thank you. Uh, Miss Barlow, uh, she's getting restless. Take her below, will you? Yes, Doctor. I, I didn't notice. And here, give her a few sniffs of this menthol inhaler before she drops off again. Certainly. Thank you. Now, now, here we are. Just breathe in deeply. Deeply. That's the spirit. She's quieting down. Uh, fine. You'd best go back to the stateroom. I'll be with you directly. Can you forgive me? About this evening, tell Captain Archer I'll make every effort, but please explain the situation to him. Oh, of course we will. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, Lieutenant. Uh, Doctor. Yes? You dropped something. I? You found it. Here. Why, so I did. Thank you, Lieutenant. Thanks very much. <laughs> At last, there's something. Maybe only half something, but anyhow, enough to move ahead with. It's late afternoon before I shake Helena long enough to start the machinery for cablegram to the chief of police, Hamilton Bermuda. And I'm still waiting for an answer at 7.15 when Captain Archer's farewell dinner party gets underway. Dr. Reed managed to come after all, a break I intend to take advantage of, but quick. On uh, the third martini... He begins to lose that alert look of his, so I push back my chair, mutter a few excuses, and start out of the dining room. Crossing the mezzanine, I take a peek over my shoulder to see if the sudden exit provoked any comment from Reed or Helena. Well, apparently not. Both of them are having a big yuck over one of Captain Archer's ten-minute jokes, and he's getting ready to tell another, so it looks okay. Two minutes later, I'm standing in front of the door to Reed's stateroom, fingering a skeleton key. There's only one thing. The adjoining room, the one occupied by Miss Barber and the old lady, is connected to his by a door that may or may not be open. If it is, I'm a gone dog, but since I've come this far... Still in business. The door to Miss Barber's room is closed. There's a blade of light coming from under it, though, so I have to make the pussy feet. Now, where to begin? Reed's desk is the obvious place, but it's at the other end of the room. Therefore, out comes the pocket flashlight, which is a Lulu. It throws a beam all the length of a pop bottle. Somehow, I pick my way over to the desk, kneel down, and start easing the bottom drawer open. Pencils, cablegram blanks. Oh, the one above it doesn't even have the pencils. Ah, now, here's the department. Stethoscope, thermometers. What's this? Uh-huh. Home is the sailor. Uh-oh, and that's from the corridor. Well, anyway, it's not Reed. He wouldn't knock at his own door. I barely snap off the flash and duck behind a chair when... It's Helena. She just stands there, peering through the half-open door into the darkness, listening. 
And then, as unexpectedly as she arrived, she's gone again. But not, I may as well face it, not before convincing herself that room was not empty. And since that puts everyone on to everyone, I'm afraid by the time I patch all this stuff together, Reed will have shot up half the boat. Well, at least I found what I came after. On my way back to the dining room, a steward hands me a cablegram, the reply from Bermuda, and it reads, According to best reports, Miss Helena Dawson checked aboard the liner Promethean yesterday morning, bound for New York City, signed... So-and-so, so-and-so, Chief of Police, Hamilton. It's the Promethean I'm on, so everything still gels. When I come up to the table, Captain Archer and Dr. Reed are in the middle of a long discussion on whether many, many seafaring men still suffer from malnutrition. But not Helena. Well, Lou, we missed you. Where have you been? Well, now, that's an unfair question. In the first place... Well, Lieutenant, you'd know something about this. I've been trying to explain to Dr. Reed here that feeding a crew of 40 of these... And that's how it goes for the rest of the evening, back and forth. Helena working to pry me loose from anything she can. Captain Archer and Reed dragging me in to settle every argument they have. Around ten o'clock, though, the wind begins to shift. Helena's managed to get it across to the doctor that there's something fishy about me. And the way the party breaks up would make your head swim. Uh, Surely you'll have a nightcap, Doctor. Uh, Thank you, no, Captain. I just had mine. We early risers, you know. Miss Dawson, Lieutenant? I don't believe so, thank you. Not at all, not at all. My pleasure. Anyway, I hope you uh, come to see me before we dock tomorrow. Yeah, we will. All right. Please drop in and say goodbye. We'll do that night, Captain. Uh, Good night. Good night, Captain. Miss Dawson? Thank you for everything, Captain. It was lovely. Reed and I see Helena to her stateroom, and then we split up. By now, it's become a button-button thing. They know that I know, but they don't know I know that they know. (laughs) Which is involved, but I can't lay it out for you any better. Back in my own room, I start getting things ready for what I'm sure is going to happen within the next ten minutes. First of all, my bed. After I shut off the light, I rumple it up, jam the two pillows under the covers, and start shaping them to look like somebody lying there. No matter how I do it, they still come off like two pillows, but maybe in the dark it'll hold. Then I swing open one of the portholes that faces on deck and squat down directly below it. And for once in my life, I've called a turn. The square foot of rug under me isn't even warm when I hear somebody approaching on the deck outside. I count a slow 20 before I edge over and pick up the phone. Now, maybe this sounds porky, but if a ballistics expert can't turn the three slugs he'll dig out of my mattress into an attempted murder charge, I'll hand in my badge. Operator. Uh, Connect me with Miss Dawson's stateroom, will you? 1270. One moment, please. I thought those footsteps sounded just a little bit too dainty to be Dr. Reed's. Sorry, the party doesn't answer, sir. Uh, that's okay. Put me through to Captain Archer's cabin, will you? One moment, please. Hello? Captain Archer? Yes? Lieutenant Cagle. We're about to go to work. Strap on your pistol. Huh? You've got the man who shot at you last night? I've got his number anyway. How soon can you round up a couple of men and come to stateroom 1265? That's your place? No, it's his. Why, right away. 
Fine. I'll be inside when you get there, so don't bother to knock. I hang up, look down at the luminous dial on my wristwatch, and follow that second hand around for a full turn. Then I step out into the corridor and start to walk. Halfway to Reed's stateroom, a wrong thing begins growing up inside of me. Anger. Anger at the pretty face I went soft on that wound up trying to dish me a shroud. But an angry cop's no good to himself, so I work to shake it off. And I'm still working when the door to stateroom 1265 appears in front of me. And behind the door, I hear voices. Reed and Helena. Hello. Hello. You missed. Cagle, what's the meaning It's a shame to miss like that, isn't it, Helena? When you're so close, when you planned it so well. Lieutenant, you're drunk. What do you mean, barging in here? You'll tell me before I leave. You'll tell me what's behind please, everything. Please, there's something Your face is too straight. You bet there's something. Three shots and all into the bedclothes. Some waste. What huh? are you talking about? Here. Oh. A gun like this one. That's what I'm talking about. And if we all don't get down to some plain talk pretty soon, Lieutenant by... Cagle. You can beat me out of your hands. In the name of heaven, Archer, have your men take this man. Don't you know who these people are? No, I don't, Captain, and the same goes for you. I came down here in good faith. I won't be made a laughingstock. That's right, you won't. I've got enough in this crowd to put them away for a long time. I warn you, Captain Archer, this drunken idiot... And if you'll quiet down, I'll tell you what it is. All right, Lieutenant, speak up, and it had better be good. If there aren't any objections... This is preposterous. Do I finish, Captain? Go on. The man who fired those two shots at Miss Dawson and me last night was Dr. Reed. Is that quite enough to convince you, Captain? No, I can't prove it. It's my word against his. But I did tell you this morning that I knew the man. Isn't that right? Lieutenant, what? I said he meant to miss us, didn't I? So you did. Have you noticed how quiet it's gotten around here all of a sudden? Uh, (laughs) Well, in the first place, Dr. Reed and I have been friends for eight years. You said seven years last night. You were friends in Bermuda, too. Wasn't that the story? All right, then tell me, how is it someone who's lived all that time on an island where they don't allow automobiles finds one to buy secondhand? And while on you, where's the gun with the silencer you tried to use on me ten minutes ago? Gun? After all, Lieutenant. After plenty, Captain, you take a look at my mattress. It's got three bullet holes in it. And Helena put them there. No, I can't prove it. (laughs) Well, then, Lieutenant, just what can you prove? Where's your patient? Mrs. Pritchett? Captain Archer, this is the very Next last... Next door in the wheelchair? Lieutenant, I failed Would you mind you. bringing her in? I most certainly would. I appeal to you, Captain. Yes, we've heard all this. She's over 80, eyesight failing, weak heart. Well, Lieutenant, if that's the case... It's why... not the case, Captain. She isn't 30, her eyesight's fine, and if there's anything wrong with her heart, you can blame these two. Oh, Lou, what's come over you Captain, tonight? when you ask one of your men to open that door? Kegel, who is it you expect to find in there? Look, you see this inhaler... It looks like the regulation menthol variety that people use for colds, doesn't it? Yeah. I took it from Reed's desk tonight. Here, smell it. Menthol? Wait, Right, it's chloroform. He's been using it consistently on this woman that he calls Mrs. Pritchett for at least 38 hours. Now will you get that door open? Reynolds, open it up. Wheel her in, Miss Barber. The game's over. There you are, look at it. Even with a gray wig and a makeup job, there's not much doubt, is there, Captain? But who is she? Wake her up. She'll tell you. Captain, if you allow a hand to be laid on that woman, you'll... Yesterday morning, a young lady who claimed to be Helena Dawson came to your captain cabin and asked for police protection, didn't she? Why, of course. And then you both scoured the passenger list to see who qualified for such a job. In other words, you helped her find out how many cops were on board. That's all she wanted. An accurate count of the opposition. Turned out there was just one, me, and what a break that was for them. If I could be kept busy chasing wild geese, Reed here would be able to wheel his 
patient right off the ship without even lowering his head. But I Here's the way smart crooks work, Captain. An hour ago, the chief of police in Bermuda sent me a wire saying that Helena Dawson was on this ship. She's just what everybody's been telling me. If I hadn't smelled that chloroform on deck this morning, the investigation would have stopped right there. The chief was right. She is on this ship, but not the way he thought. Helena Dawson was kidnapped, drugged, and brought aboard on a wheelchair. That wheelchair. And if you don't believe me, wake her up. She knows her own name. Nurse, bring her in. Captain Archer, I'm warning you the consequence for such an... I am prepared to accept them. Bring her too, nurse. Where... Don't please, Look, you're all right. It's okay now. Now listen. Listen to me. Who are you? What's your name? Your name? Your name, what is it? Okay. Okay, Captain, there it is. Sure enough, there it was. A couple of phony names and wrong guesses, and the cop, any cop who happens to be standing downwind of your chloroform inhaler, and the next thing you know, everybody needs a lawyer. Even smart crooks. Crime on the Waterfront is written by J.T. Kelly and stars Myron Wallace as Lou Cagle. Listen again next week to another Crime on the Waterfront. This is George Stone speaking. Welcome back. Well, I like this series and the overall performance by Mike Wallace. A, a very interesting look at what might have been, uh, if not for the advent of uh, television, and his career taking an entirely uh, different, uh, different course. And, uh, writing was pretty good. Uh, like I, like I said in the first episode, uh, first, uh, episode, there was probably just way too many of these type of shows on, but I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, well, next week, uh, we put it off for two weeks, but we're going to go ahead and bring you Pete Kelly's Blues starting next Tuesday. Uh, in the meanwhile, uh, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And uh, give us a call at 208-991-4783. And uh, we will see you back here next Tuesday with Pete Kelly's Blues. And then join us uh, uh, again tomorrow for Let George Do It. Uh, in the meanwhile, from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>